everybody and welcome to a new episode of Evie's Korean Drama Podcast Show. My name is Evie, I'm your host, and I am a K-drama obsessive. So this is the show where I waffle on about all of the K-drama that I love. If you'd like to support the show, you can check out my Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Evie Korean Drama Podcast. There you will find extra podcast episodes and updates on what I'm watching at the moment. Also, just before I get started, please be warned that I do swear a little bit on this show when I get excited. And when I'm talking about K-drama, I always get excited. Alright, so I thank you very, very much for listening and let's get on with the K-drama show. Okay, so the K-drama that I have chosen to discuss today is called Psychopath Diary, or Psychopath Diary? Uh, Yeah, I guess that depends on your accent. Um, I think I say Psychopath Diary. Yeah, that sounds right. Uh, So this is a kind of very late 2019 Korean drama. Um, It aired kind of, you know, over the end of the year, right into the very beginning of 2020. Um, It got billed as a comedy thriller, which was just a concept for a genre that I found a little bit fascinating um, when I started hearing about that in like, you know, the marketing material and promos and stuff. Like, what is a comedy thriller and and how do you make something that is like say menacing and about serial killers and a bit creepy also into a comedy um so i was quite keen to check it out for that reason and also because uh yoon shi yoon who plays the main character in this drama is one of my favorite actors and i totally follow him around uh drama land because he's freaking great um so i didn't watch this one while it was airing i did pick it up a while later Um, and to be fair, I I have really, really complicated kind of feelings towards this show. The parts of it that were, that I feel like were good and that I really liked, um, I feel really, really strongly and positive about, like there are parts of this drama that I just felt were pure gold. And yet I also found myself kind of struggling to keep going after a point. And I watched quite a lot of it, like I'm, I think nearly 10 episodes or something. So like it is really good. Um, and there's, there's a lot of things there that really hook you and, and you certainly care about the character um, of like the main guy. You care about him on such an insane level. So I really want to know what happens, but I'm kind of at a point where I'm like, Mm, am I going to continue? Am I not? And the reason I'm kind of thinking not is because I feel there's just, we've kind of got to a point in the show now where rather than the main narrative, which is, you know, it's the killer hook, it's the reason to watch the show. Instead of sort of focusing on the cool character growth and that kind of overarching storyline, we're kind of delving into kind of crime of the weeks, um, which I I'm finding a little bit more boring um, because I don't really care about like the little side crimes and the little sob stories and, you know, the main character um, played by Yoon Shi Yoon sort of investigating them. I only care about the fact that he thinks he's a serial killer and he's not. So there you go. 
that is the hook of the show. So I guess I'll tell you a little bit um, just about the concept of it um, because it is, it's a really fun idea. And I guess this is where the comedy element of the show comes in. So we have uh, the actor Yoon Ji Yoon playing a character called Yuk Dong Sik. So Dong Sik is, um, you know, I would guess he's in his late 20s or early 30s. He's an office worker at like a, I don't know, like a stock company or a something. I don't really know. But like, you know, a high flying, like lots of money, like firm with um, a lot of high pressure. And he's part of a team um, and he is just... You know, he's this really unassuming guy who just, I guess he just absolutely gets treated like complete bullshit all the time. Everyone just, if if they're not being downright mean to him in a way that because they're taking advantage of him and walking all over him all the time and he's always taking the fall for everything, if they're not being like that, they're just disregarding him and barely even kind of notice that he exists. Um, so he's not a very happy guy. Like he's, I think he's pretty lonely and pretty unhappy. But the thing that I like the most about the character of Dong Sheik is that he is unfailingly kind all the time in the face of how cruel the world has constantly been to him and he's continuing to be every single day of his life, you know, at work, at home, with his family. No one respects him or kind of gives him any love or, you know, affection or time, time of day. And even so, you know, he's nice. If someone asks for a favor and he feels that you know, he always does the right thing. He'll, he'll do that. Even if that person isn't a particularly nice person, you know, um, and I just, I found this, it, I guess I found that a little bit fascinating because I guess in terms of characters in K-drama land, you know, for a male lead, I think we are much, much more used to, and you know, I love this kind of concept or trope a lot, but the kind of male lead that is a total douchebag at the start of a drama. And the whole point of the drama is the character growth of that of that guy as he slowly changes and becomes less of a raging asshole usually. And it's fantastic. I love those storylines. Um, particularly, you know, if he's inspired to become a good person through the power of love, you know, I, I, it's cheesy, but it's wonderful. But I have to say that it is very, very refreshing to watch a show about a really nice guy who's just nice. He is so nice to the point where your heart breaks for him quite a lot, I think, at the very beginning of the show, because no matter how good he is and how many times he does the right thing, people around him are just so mean. They're so mean to him. And I found it, I guess, quite upsetting. Um, not hard to watch because it's only a very small portion of the beginning of the show before you know the storyline shifts and things really change. Um, so what happens is at Dong Sheik's workplace, um, basically he gets lumped by his coworker with this last minute report and the 
the co-worker, it's the co-worker's responsibility to get this done. He's like a slightly higher level, like I think he's like an assistant manager or whatever. Um, but he wants to go home, so he, he just sort of forces Dongshik to stay late and do it, even though, you know, Dongshik has his own shit he wants to go do. He doesn't want to stay at work all night, but, you know, he says yes. He doesn't know how to say no, I suppose. Um, so he starts looking over the report, which he's supposed to just finalize and submit, and he sees a problem with it. And Dongxi can tell there's something going on. So he goes into the main manager's office, like this floor level manager, his team manager, not like the big manager. Um, so he goes to his sort of local floor manager and this guy's a complete douche and he's sleeping in the office and he's just like the most arrogant fuck you've ever come across. But I have to say the actor does a great job. Like there's a level of comedy to how awful this guy is. So it's not one of those kind of characters where you actually want to murder them and get them off your screen like it's quite fun to watch him you know being arrogant and posture around and just be horrible um because you also know that you know <laughs> he's gonna get his comeuppance so I, I think there's a level of satisfaction um so Dong Sheik uh to this manager brings this report and he's like dude I think there's something wrong with this are you like sure you want me to submit it to the massive massive boss and like push it through and and have this big massive deal happen and basically um his manager is just you know a raging asshole and is like just fucking do it and I don't care about you and so Dong Sheik does what he's told and he submits the report um, and then the next day uh, it turns out that because of this error the firm has lost like a fuck ton of money um, and someone has to take the fall because it has gone public and there is a lot of like external investors um, who have lost their businesses and money and you know obviously trust in this main firm um, over this error um, so, of course, someone in the company has to take the fall. And, of course, everyone on the floor is looking at Dong Sheik to take the fall, even though the poor boy did absolutely nothing wrong. I might also mention, um, as a side note, uh, Yoon Shi Yoon, the actor, has the most insane kind of curly mop in this drama that literally looks like a big mop that has been styled into sort of like puffy ringlets that stick out from his head like a mushroom and I think it quite suits his sort of downtrodden um you know very gentle silly kind of character um but it sort of suits him less when he's trying to be like a, a creepazoid serial killer later later on uh which I will get to so um so Dongshik because he's kind of getting forced to take the fall for this thing and he's just so fucking unhappy you really feel really sorry for him and he goes to this construction site which is owned by the firm that he works for and he climbs up onto the top level and he very very seriously considers killing himself and you know it's quite serious and it's quite sad um and in the end he's too afraid to jump and he even kind of loathes himself for that. You know, he thinks he's such a coward. He can't do it. You know, he's so useless at everything. He can't even do this right. So like your heart is really, really breaking for him. But as he comes back down the stairs, um, he basically witnesses a serial killer uh, trying to murder a homeless man. Um, and as far as Dong Sheik knows, like he, the guy murders this like the serial killer murders him um, and all this crazy shit happens and this diary goes flying across the room um, which I might point out if you're a serial killer probably don't write down like a diary because 
that is evidence. Um, so anyway, this diary evidence thing goes flying across the room and ends up in Dongshik's pocket as he rushes out the door to get away from this crazy serial killer. And he promptly gets hit by a police car, which is the female lead in the drama. Um, I watched up to like man, a lot of this drama and there was like not really any romance at all to speak of. I might point out, I kept sort of waiting for it and hoping, but it didn't really kind of come into, uh, as much as I watched anyway, as I'm recording this. Um, so this female lead, uh, her name is Bo Kyung. Uh, she's played by an actress that I've never seen before called Jung In Sun. Uh, she's quite good. I really liked her in this. So Bo Kyung and her police partner, um, hit, Dongshik and he obviously you know gets amnesia and they take him to the hospital and uh, this is kind of when the comedy comes in um, but it's really really interesting kind of comedy like it's not I don't know how to explain it tonally it's very odd I guess because there's these sad deep emotional or serious or horrifying murder scenes and then you get this kind of comedy that is I guess um, almost is the word um, like, oh, I know I can't say this word, um, ab absurd, fuck, I can't say that word, you know, like um, just a little bit bonkers. I'm not explaining it very well, but there's something very, very charming about the comedy in this show. And I found myself laughing at the funny bits in a way that I can't remember laughing at, you know, at a K-drama like this um, for a long time, like the parts that are funny um, for me were hysterically funny, like burst out laughing, um, just not being able to stop tears in my eyes, like very hilarious. But I think hilarious through the quirky weirdness of these situations that the drama is creating. Um, so for instance, uh, you know, he's got is amnesia and Bo Kyung, the cop, kind of takes Dongshik back to his apartment because they find, you know, they just find his card and stuff. And um, he's sort of looking around at his, his apartment and he's like a movie buff and he's only into crime movies and he's got all those true crime novels everywhere in the apartment. And um, he's sort of looking around being like, you know, who am I? I don't even know who I am. And he's just very quiet and unassuming and very gentle and just very endearing as a character. And then, you know, she's like, oh, you know, I found this crazy red diary on you. So she hands it over and um, Dongshik opens it and he's like, oh, it's like it's written in a code. Um, and then eventually they're kind of trying to work it out together. Um, and eventually he kind of realizes that if you hold it up to the mirror, everything's been written in reverse. So you can read it using a mirror. So he runs, he's like, He's so happy, like so excited with this discovery. You know, it's really sweet and cute. And then he runs over to the mirror and holds it up and is looking at it and then starts reading it. And his face is just like, because it's all filled with like creepy murder notes. And so his face just like falls. He's so fucking horrified. So it's very, very funny. Um, and I think it's all these like really sweet kind of comedy moments. So there's all this point in the drama when he's really, really wrestling with, am I actually a serial killer or am I not? 
So he thinks that, you know, all these movies in his house and this, um, you know, murdery nonfiction is like a sure sign that he is a serial killer. And even though he can't really get his handwriting to exactly match what's in the diary, like he still ends up, there's all these weird coincidences um, that kind of uh, all come together to really, truly make him believe he's a serial killer. And, you know, Dongshik is just such a sweetheart that there's this moment. Um, so he forces the cop to take him back to the spot where he got hit because he's trying to find evidence because he's having these weird flashbacks to um, this homeless man getting killed. And of course, he thinks that he can remember it because he's the one who did the crime. So he walks through the construction site and ends up because he has the flashbacks about the man dying, thinking it's absolutely true. He must be a serial killer who's like, a psychopath who takes, you know, absolute pleasure in murdering people and he falls to his knees and he's just so upset because he's such a nice guy. And then um, he ends up like kind of running out of the construction site, just like sobbing and like hysterically screaming because it's just too much for him to handle. And he's just running down the street and he looks like a complete hilarious lunatic with his arms flapping. And he's just completely hysterical. He's so upset. And Bo Kyung, who's hit him with the car, is just like, she feels really bad because she's done this terrible thing, but she's also lied to him and pretended that he ran in front of the car and it wasn't her fault. She doesn't want to get her like, you know, a license taken away or get sued. So she feels really guilty and she's like driving the car really slowly next to him, like following him down the street while he's just hysterically screaming. Like it's very, very, very funny. And I think it's like, it's not like funny in a witty way. It's funny in just these such odd situations that these characters find themselves in. Like it's so strange. Um, But I just... I loved the comedy in this. Um, uh, There was just one more sort of scene to just sort of explain the comedy to you guys um, as an example. So Dongshik eventually sort of accepts that he is a serial killer. This is who he is. Um, And he... Uh, ends up through like all these crazy things, decides there's someone at work um, who's trying to basically edge him out of the company and giving him a lot of shit. So he's sitting around, he's like, if I'm a serial killer, why would I put up with this man trying to, you know, fire me and let me take the fall for this big um, business failure? Like, and he's like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that if I was a psychopath. So what would I do? And in the end, he's like, I would probably murder him. So then he sits around all night reading his creepy diary, trying to figure out ways to murder like one of the owners of his business. And he's very serious about it. And it's like really creepy. And he's like, does creepy laughs. And it's like just being really like weirdly intense and creepy. And then the next scene we see is him, you know, in the morning with the soft light. And he's fallen asleep at his desk on his little murder diary and he's just drooled all over it. So there's just this like, I think, the contrast between who Dong Sheik thinks he is, which is a like psychopathic murderer killer, and also who he really is, which is just like the biggest sweetheart in the entire world. And he just can't quite understand how these two things fit together and I think that's where the comedy really really lies. (music) 
So I guess the next thing I want to touch on is how Dongshik's life changes in the workplace specifically. Um, I think a lot of this drama is, it, it's not all workplace drama, but quite a bit of it is. And to be honest, that was all my favorite parts of the show. Um, when the show kind of goes off um, investigating crimes on the street, I found it a little bit less um, just fascinating because I think the most interesting thing that this show has going on, um, other than the fact that you know, Dongshik is so endearing that you just adore him. Like he's such a sweetie. Um, but other than that, I think it's the idea that someone who is being treated like shit and is so downtrodden and who truly believes that he's worthless and useless and can't do anything right, suddenly also believes, or I guess instead believes that he is a psycho murderer. So suddenly when people treat him like shit at work, um, he, he kind of like internalizes like, uh, you know, would my old self before I got amnesia have put up with that if I was a serial killer? No, I don't think so. So suddenly he loses a lot of, I suppose his fear, his, um, his self-consciousness and his fear and the way he interacts with people begins to change. He has this level of like, deadly confidence that he didn't used to have and yet even though he you know is much more assertive and sometimes a little bit scary like getting in people's faces because he has this feeling that he's invincible now um his kindness still shines through as well um and then you know you've got these comedic elements where basically Dongshik who thinks he's a serial killer is bumbling around the workplace, misinterpreting every single situation that comes along as all the upper management keep trying their best to make him the fall guy. But no matter what happens through Dong Sheik's completely erratic behavior, because he just makes the oddest decisions on how to react to things or what to say about things because he's so convinced he's a different person than what he really is and no one can understand him he's suddenly just a wild card and yet every single idiotic decision he makes works out perfectly so he always ends up on top and he gets like the best outcome so that all the people around him start watching him with interest and start thinking that he's unbelievably clever, that he has a plan and that he's doing it all on purpose with that end goal in mind of, you know, coming out on top. And they don't know that he has no idea what he's doing and everything, you know, every time it works out well, it was a mistake. It was a coincidence. It was never what he was actually trying to do. Um, so for instance, there'll be, you know, he'll be getting investigated for, you know, take trying to, everyone's trying to make him take the fall for this big business failure. And so they're investigating him and instead of sort of pandering to the investigation or trying to solve the problems that would help, he's busy working out how to murder the boss. And yet somehow through crazy circumstances, his sort of efforts towards murdering the boss end up like resolving the other big issue. And no one knows, of course, what he was actually 
kind of setting out to do. And they just think he's this kind of suddenly this weird assertive genius who is able to solve all his own problems. So the like it's so funny and so adorable. And um, it's just amazing, I think, how much the show does manage in a very short amount of time to make you really love Dong Sheik. And I think it's through these moments of just, just seeing that kindness in him and the way he treats other people. But then the fascinating part of then seeing him grow a backbone and, you know, sometimes take that too far and like really threaten people <laughs> with violence and murder. And just like, it's, it's such a strange concept. And yet I think it's, it's, it works really, really well. So those are all the elements of the show that I just freaking adored. And I think that the show has like those ingredients of um, Psychopath Diary are special. They're really special. They were the kind of things that really wormed inside my heart and that I felt like I hadn't really seen before. They're quite unusual and unique elements of the show. Um, But then you get the boring side, which has sort of got me to a point now where I don't know that I want to continue, even though I I love Dong Sheik so much and I do want to find out what happens. Um, I should also mention as another really brilliant part of the show. Um, there's another character who's like kind of a down, like he's a son of the conglomerate who owns the big firm that Dong Sheik works for. And this guy, um, who's played by the actor Park Sung Hoon, which is very interesting because um, the last time I saw him in a drama was in the 2019 drama called Justice, where he also played a serial killer. Um, so I guess he's been typecast as a serial killer. He must have a serial killer face. Uh, he doesn't really. He looks very normal and handsome. So I don't know what's up with that. But uh, to be honest, I think he was a, a better serial killer in Justice because in Justice, as a serial killer, he was emotionless. Um, well, mainly emotionless, but I guess what I should say is he didn't feel the correct emotions at the correct times. He would laugh when he shouldn't. And, um, you know, all like he was wrong inside. It was a very, very interesting, like, um, whilst in this, I think he is a psychopath, but he doesn't have that level of cold distance or, you know, lacking an emotion like he did in the other drama. But in saying that, it again um, leads to a hell of a lot of comedy because this guy, um, so he, the character's name is Inwu. So Inwu is one of the, you know, the sons of the owner of, of the big business. And he starts noticing Dong Sheik and he starts thinking that Dong Sheik is like him, is a psychopath, is a murderer, and also is unbelievably clever and cold and calm and as like you know puppet mastering everyone when of course we know that Dong Sheik is just an adorable sweetheart idiot who is bumbling around so Dong Sheik ends up in a very very scary like head-to-head game with the real serial killer the only thing is that Dong Sheik doesn't know it <laughs> again very, very funny. It's like a cat and mouse thing, except that Dong Sheik doesn't realize that he's playing this game and yet still manages to really throw Inwu, the serial killer, you know, off all the time and manage to sort of come up on top quite often. Um, so Inwu just becomes utterly fascinated by Dong Sheik, which, you know, is bad because Inwu has murdered a lot of people for fun. Um, so again, I loved that element of this show. Um, what I think is um, in a lot of ways, I mean, in a completely different way, 
Psychopath Diary, or at least my reaction to Psychopath Diary, really, really reminds me of my reaction to the 2019 drama um, Beautiful Love, Wonderful Life. Um, That drama as well had elements that I thought were brilliant and that I was desperate to continue watching for those elements but I found myself whenever um, that show would move away from those storylines I would just be tuning out you know I'd be looking at my phone I'd be looking up pictures and then when I'd look back at the screen I'd have no idea what was going on so you just lose that emotional connection to the story so in the end I I had to give that show up and I still feel kind of sad about it because I see a lot of stills like um, on the net of the main couple and you know their romance scenes and I'm like oh Oh, it looks so good. Like, and and the female lead in Beautiful Love, Wonderful Life was so adorable. You know, it would be as a character, it would be worth watching the show just to see her. She's so good, and um, I really feel the same about Psychopath Diary. Um, I wish I was just more invested in in the kind of crime stuff and the investigation stuff. Um. But I'm just not. I just don't find it interesting. I find myself tuning out and then I've basically watched a whole episode without really watching it. And then I start losing just that connection to the characters. And and then, you know, what's the point of watching if you're not feeling anything about what you're watching anymore and you're not invested in the story anymore? So I think I'm probably not going to continue it, but that kind of hurts my heart. I think I would really like to continue it. And I know I still, you know, sometimes think about that other drama, Beautiful Love, Wonderful Life and feel the same way. I'd really like to. Um, but for anyone who does think this show sounds like your thing and you might want to give it a go, um, I would definitely say too, like there is some just comedy gold, but also just heart. This drama is, it's got so much heart and Dong Sheik is, you know, he's just the center of it. He's just such a good character. Um, and I think part of the pleasure of watching Dong Sheik is, um, you get the opportunity as like a watcher or, you know, I guess a consumer of a story to root for somebody that is really bad because basically he thinks he's a serial killer. He's making decisions based on the fact that he is a stone cold killer and he does some pretty bad, questionable, scary, intimidating things thinking that he is a murderer. But of course, the viewer knows that actually, in truth, he has a heart of gold. So we get, I think, the pleasure of rooting for someone who is able to manipulate other people, um, get get his own back, get on top of situations, um, be really, you know, I guess, have these satisfying wins for him through his scary actions. But we don't actually have to root for an actual serial killer that's murdered people. So we kind of get the best of both worlds, you know, like he's completely redeemable because he hasn't actually done anything bad at all. Like, so I really, really liked that element of the show. And I thought that was quite clever storytelling and quite a clever way to bring, bring us a, like a very fresh and unique character, I think. So that, that was probably my favorite part of the show is just seeing that character growth and how Dong Sheik changes because of this belief he has and it just goes to show how much of you know how we react to other people you know if you were just told something different about yourself about the way that you are and if you believed it even if it wasn't true if you believed it that would probably impact 
you know, the way you interact with other people and your confidence levels. And I just loved exploring that concept. It was very, very interesting as well as funny and endearing and um, just fascinating. So yeah, I thought that was brilliant. Um, but what I should say is if you do start watching it, I do think the first episode is a little bit weird um, in terms of maybe like um, tonally or pacing. Um, it's a bit, it feels a little bit stop and start and a little bit slow and a little bit like almost not hooky. But once you get past the first episode, that's when I think you get to know Dong Sheik enough to care. And then the comedy and the quirkiness really starts to set in. And that's the stuff that for me anyway, really made me just, you know, laugh uncontrollably. It was really, really good fun. Um, so I think for a comedy, um, this is a brilliant show. Uh, I think, you know, I'd be really interested if anyone else has, you know, continued, continued watching it through. Um, I'd really love to know your thoughts on, on the drama as a whole and whether those pacing issues kind of um, maybe got a bit better at that halfway or maybe three quarters of the way mark where I was. Um, so yeah, if you have watched it, please let me know your thoughts. I would love to know. So I think that is it from me on Psychopath Diary, the 2019 Korean drama. Okay, so I'm up to my random thing of the week and this week's thing is really random, but it's also kind of really sad. So if you're not in the mood for sad shit, maybe maybe skip this section. Um, it's coming back to my love of Korean folk tales and Korean history. And I've mentioned before on the podcast that I have these really beautiful collection of, they're called Korean classic stories. But um, basically they're a collection of folk tales, I guess, like popular folk tales from the Joseon dynasty. And there's one um, folk tale and I wanted to read out a slightly large section of it. I don't think it'll take me too long to read, but it's about three pages, um, just to give you fair warning there. Um, but it's a tragedy. It's a love story, but it's a tragedy about a noble born boy who falls in love with a woman of the lower classes. And they do and like get together, but because of pressure from his parents and he's sneaking out every night to be with her, eventually he gets sent away to study on a mountain. And when he's on this mountain, he receives a letter from his beloved and she's dying. So there you go. Spoiler alert. It's really sad. She's dead by the time he gets this letter. Um... It's one of those stories where when I read it, I can't really tell what the moral is. I can't really tell what it's trying to say. But I found this letter written by this tragic young woman who is dead by the time her lover receives it. It's very beautiful and very, very sad, but also a little bit of an insight into a woman's place in, you know, Joseon's society at that time. And I find it interesting. But really the reason that I want to read it out is because in this letter, this young woman is talking about um, the concept of Han. Now, I don't know if you guys, if you probably maybe have already heard of Han. Um, it's something that my Korean teacher, my Korean language teacher, a long time ago, back when I was still learning Korean, um, she explained it to me in a way that made a lot of sense. Um, but I find myself unable to articulate the meaning behind the Korean concept of Han. It's, I think, a really difficult thing to translate. 
Um, so if you haven't come across it before, I think, and I'm, I'm not going to be able to do it, say it properly, but the idea is that it's almost a collective understanding and feeling of regret. The idea is that all Koreans understand it because of this, I guess, very tragic history that Korea has experienced. Um, you know, as I've I saw in a, I think I read it in a book or something, I can't even remember now, but, you know, Korea hasn't really warred with other countries, I suppose. They haven't tried to invade other countries, but they have been invaded multiple times. They've really had a very tragic and difficult history. And I think um, maybe part of this concept of Han is that. So I'm going to read out a little bit of, you know, what the word could be translated to mean, but I'm not even sure I think it's so hard to put into English that I can't, I'm not really sure if this is kind of touching on it either, but it says here that Han can be translated as resentment, grief, sorrow, rancor, or regret. I think that's a simplistic kind of idea of what Han is. I think it's a bigger thing than that. Um, but I'm going to read this story that does talk about Han a little bit in it as you know, as a regret, I suppose. And it's a very sad little letter that this young woman has written. I'm not going to read the whole story because this is too long, but I'll just read this letter, which is already a bit long. So if you're not in the mood, you can skip it, but it's written beautifully and it's interesting. So she says, the spring cold is still bitter. I trust your studies in the temple are going well. I'm always filled with longing to see you. I cannot forget. After you left, I got sick. Disease gradually crept into my marrow bones. There's no point in taking medicine. I'll soon be dead. What's the point in someone as ill-fated as me living on? I have three great receptacles of Han in my heart. Though I die, I won't be able to close my eyes. I'm an only daughter. There are no sons in our house. So I grew up secure with the love of my parents. My parents planned to have a son-in-law who would look after them in their old age. Unexpectedly, I got involved with a nobleman, and I am low-born, so their dream of living a harmonious life was twisted beyond recognition, and I was cast into great despondence. I sickened and find myself now at the point of death with old parents who have no one to rely on. That is my first receptacle of Han. When a girl gets married, and this is true even of a female servant, everyone who isn't a prostitute in the streets, she has parents-in-law. There's no such thing as a daughter-in-law who doesn't know her parents-in-law. But I live away from the eyes of people. In these last few months, I haven't even seen the old servant who works in my young gallant's household. Marked with unrighteousness in life, a soul that cannot return home in death, that's my second receptacle of Han. For a woman to serve her husband well means to provide good food and to make him nice clothes. Since we met, it would be wrong to say that there has been no great passage of time or that I didn't make you many clothing items. But I never served you a bowl of rice in your own house and I never had the opportunity to dress you. My services to you have been in the bedroom. That's my third receptacle of Han. We parted shortly after we met, 
and I took sick and find myself at death's door unable to say goodbye. What value has such sadness for a woman? It's enough to cut your innards and melt your bones. Gentle grass waves in the breeze. Flowers wither and return to clay. When will such deep harm come to an end? This is the end of our relationship. Don't exercise your spirit about a low-born person like me. I trust that you advance in learning and rise as quickly as possible to a ranking position in the government. I wish you a fond farewell. Farewell. And that is it. This letter comes from a folktale called The Tale of Simsang. And Simsang is the young nobleman who falls in love with this you know, this woman from a lower class and obviously they cannot be together and she dies. And I don't understand the whole story, but I do find that letter very moving and very, very sad. Um, I hope you guys found it interesting. I, I just wanted to mention it really because of the way that concept of Han is used in the story. Maybe it gives you a bit of an impression of what it is, um, but I do find it something that's very, very difficult to explain <laughs> or, you know, to be honest, understand as someone who isn't Korean, I think it is difficult to wrap my head around. There you go. All right, so now it's time for my something I'm loving section. And I'll tell you that it's much less of a downer <laughs> than that other thing I just read out to you guys. So I'm sorry about that. Um, I just found it really interesting. So something I've been loving this week is a novel um, that I have been reading. I finished it now. It was actually suggested to me um, by a listener, a lovely listener called Curlin, who um, emailed me. So she said that this was a book that got her into K-dramas. And I think I've mentioned it on the podcast, but now I've read it. And I thoroughly enjoyed this book. Um, so it's young adult fiction. It's called I Believe in a Thing Called Love by Maureen Gu. Um, it's basically about this um, American teen um, with Korean heritage. And she isn't into K-dramas at all, but her dad is obsessive. And she is like a high, high achiever at absolutely everything. She works her butt off and is perfect at everything except romance. She is just incapable of kind of holding it together if a cute boy talks to her and she's unable to, you know, figure out how to navigate, I guess, <laughs> romance and get a boyfriend or anything like that, even though she's in her final year of school. And she decides that in order to get a boyfriend, she just needs some rules and she needs a framework because that's how she lives her life. Um, her name is Desi. So Desi starts watching K-dramas with her dad. And at the start of the book, you know, she's kind of like, oh, they're so cheesy. They're so crappy. Like she doesn't understand why he likes them. And then little by little, she becomes utterly obsessed. And the fun thing is that throughout this whole novel, there's a lot of K-drama references like peppered throughout it. So for instance, um, there's a point where she's talking about how in Healer, you know, Young Shin puts on that beautiful red dress and blows everyone away and Healer's like, oh, oh my God. You know, so she starts like creating a set of rules, Desi does in this novel, um, to kind of get this boy that she likes to notice her. And she starts like, I guess, trying to navigate romance via using K-drama tropes. Um, so some of the book is well cheesy, but heaps of fun. And I think it's just charming to 
seeing all the K-drama references is so much fun. So I just wanted to read out two little tiny parts in the novel that really, really I loved. One was particularly cool, actually. Um, so Desi is, you know, she's talking to the boy she likes and some other girl and she feels really embarrassed because um, she's kind of said something really dumb or they've asked her a question and she knows that her answer is embarrassing or what she might perceive as embarrassing. Um, and so she's about to, like, she feels very self-conscious and she's about to kind of try and make up a cooler answer than what the truth is. And then she stops herself. And I'm going to read this passage. Then the voice inside me that usually told me to be cool around guys was saying something else. Be earnest. Because K-drama heroines were always earnest to a maddening degree. It was their most endearing trait, other than their klutziness. <laughs> how cute is that for a quote? And I love even the advice because how true is that? I mean, K-drama heroines are earnest. They wear their feelings on their sleeve. It's one of those things I keep coming back to all the time in K-dramas is I feel like it's very brave to be vulnerable and, and let other people understand how you feel. And I guess that is being earnest. I guess that's really what that means. So I really, really loved it. Um, and then I've got another little section that I wanted to read. And this is um, kind of the conclusion towards the end of the book. Um, it's not a spoiler or anything, but it's what Desi realizes that K-dramas mean to her. So she has this K-drama list that she's sort of been operating with, which is her framework to get this boy. And suddenly she kind of realizes that she doesn't need the list anymore, but it's not because, and, and she's also, she says, I begin to register why I loved those dramas, not because they were helpful or because they were a useful tool for my own purposes. It was because they were unapologetic love stories. Yes, all the antics were fun, the cliches exhausting, and the drama dramatic. But in the end, K-dramas were about people sticking together through thick and thin, not knowing if it would work out. Real love, it was all about risk and having faith. There were no guarantees. And again... I think it's a beautiful reflection of the heart of K-dramas and what they're about. <laughs> so I thought it was lovely. Um, so I definitely, you know, I really enjoyed this book. And I think part of why I enjoyed it so much is it's really nice to see popular mainstream fiction talking about K-dramas this much. It's very cool. Um, and I hope that it introduces a lot of people to K-dramas. So it's called I Believe in a Thing Called Love by Maureen Goo.